All right. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I'm just going to jump right in uh, and uh, get into this. Uh, this morning, if I was going to title our message, it would be God uses creation to witness to creation. Uh, many of you know I've struggled with depression for and just about all my life, and it might seem weird to some of you, but but it it's true. I, I think I've been searching my whole life for some some piece of happiness. I think that search was hindered by my early early uh, you know adolescent mind, which is really a fancy way of saying that I I look for happiness in all the the wrong places. And you know when I was young, I. I looked for it in, you know, in, in, in materialism and, and position. And if I could just be like, you know, the cool kids. And so, you know, I cut my hair just right. And I, I worked on wearing the right clothes and, 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 and that worked for a season or two. And then, and then school was over and what had brought me uh, temporal, you know, happiness was gone. It was over. And so I joined the Marine Corps and I thought, well, maybe this might be the next place I find my happiness, right? And, and I tried hard to be the best Marine I could, but the Marine Corps was kind of a place of opposites for me. And after a few you know, significant moments in my life, I, I knew I wasn't going to find any happiness, right? And, 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 then, and then I found my wife, right? And, I, and slowly I started to find some semblance of happiness. She, she would eventually be the catalyst for my, my walk with with Jesus. And from that point on, there was uh, like a sliver of happiness, but, but, but something was still not, not right. Couldn't maintain any, any form of happiness. I struggled to, uh, in my walk to escape the consequences of my past. And, and, and after meeting Jesus, right, I was beginning to ask the, you know, kind of the internal question. I, I hope they were all asking ourselves, uh, which is, what is my purpose, right? I mean, this question and desire to take care of my wife and now kids would lead me on this significant search uh, vocationally. And if I were to fill out everything I've tried on a resume, it would it'd read something like this, right? I, I've tried to be a bartender, a, a record driver, a, a volunteer firefighter, an EMT, uh, a, an electric meter technician, a musician, a salesman, a, a uh, cat engineer, uh, a website building and, and hosting and, and graphic designer. I mean, my, my life is kind of all over the place. My, my job shows me trying all these things, right? There, there are these things that I did in order to live life, right? But I, I wasn't really living life, if, if, you, can, if you can understand that, right? They, it, these things paid the bills. But that's all they did. They, they didn't give me this internal satisfaction. They gave me survival not success. All of that changes when God calls me into ministry, when he gives me purpose. He gave me a mission, one that was bigger than my current situation, one that made me feel special to him, one that would focus me and uh, focus me and, 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 and really uh, you know, give me what I had been chasing for so long which was happiness. Uh, what's even more interesting is that in reflection, I had to let, I had to go through all, uh, all of that to get here. All of those experiences, all of those jobs, all were the training ground for the tools that I would need 
to do what I do today. I couldn't gotten I couldn't have gotten here any other way. The sovereignty of God or the providence of God was working through my life, though I was, I mean, absolutely 100% blind to it. And I just, you know, I, I couldn't see it whatsoever. And here's the thing this morning. I, I think your life is the same. I believe God uses everything in our life to propel us towards his will for our life. And I think it always baffles us. It always catches us off guard when he does it. Look at with me with our text. We're going to be in Exodus again. We're in chapter four. We've gone through the first few chapters now in here. It's going to be a little lengthy read, but I want you to stay with me. Exodus four verses, the first 17 verses. Got your Bibles. You ready to go? All right. Amen. Good deal. Good deal. Reads this. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it to the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put it out in your hand and catch it by the tail. And so he put out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his hand and that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. They will not, If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I, I'm not eloquent either in the past or, or since you've spoken to your servant, uh, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then the Lord said, well, who's made man's mouth? Who makes him mute, deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart and you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him and take in your hand this staff, which you shall do these signs. So when we, we read last week, how this begins with God getting Moses's attention God always knows how to like properly get our attention right. However, there's one thing we didn't mention last week, and that is this. God uses creation to witness to creation. Are you with me? God revealed himself to Abraham, and from Abraham came the knowledge of God. Here in our text last week and this morning, God furthers this idea. God used a bush that he created, something Moses was around all the time. God uh, simply placed his presence upon the bush, and now you have a burning bush. After all, the Bible records in Hebrews 12 that God is a consuming fire. So now God wants to rescue the Jewish people from oppression while also making himself known not only uh, to the Jews, but the Egyptians too. And how is he going to do that? How is he going to use his creation, and more specifically, Moses? So from the bush to now a human being, God is on the move. However, Moses ensures he's the right man for the job, right? He 
struggles to find faith in God and, and so begins uh, to show Moses how this is going to work. God begins to show him. He starts by being simple, right? Verse two, what's in your hand? Right For Moses, it's the staff that God turns into a snake and then reverts it back into a staff. And, and you've got to love you know, the obvious choice right there. God just used what Moses already had, what he had already owned. Let me say that again. God just used what Moses already had, what he had already owned. God's, listen, church, <coughs> excuse me. God's not going to ask you to do something for which uh, uh, for which he hadn't equipped you for. Listen, if God sends you, he's going to equip you. And I'm sure you've heard this. And the reason you've heard it is because it's true. The irony is that I think is that we think God is going to, you know, future tense equip you. When in fact, what do you think your past has been for if not to equip you for your present? What you deem sometimes insignificant, God can do infinitely more with it than you can imagine. You and Moses, too, just see a walking stick, right, that you just use to walk around with. God saw it as signs and wonders. Now, Moses isn't the only one here to experience this, right? Remember, young, uh, you know, I think King David, all he had was a sling to face the giant with, right? And that's an, uh, that is an, uh, in an appropriate weapon. That isn't an appropriate weapon on the battlefield, right? Uh, but but that's not how God saw it. How about in the New Testament when when Jesus tells his disciples to, to go get a donkey for him to ride? Well, how how there was a man who who has one who will simply give it up as soon as you ask, right? How how is it there is this guy there, right? Every everything gives and speaks to the glory of God, right? I mean, just God uses what we already have. It doesn't matter if it's an old walking stick, a slingshot, or a donkey. I mean. God will take what we have and use it for his glory, right? And when objects fail to get his attention, God will use us. In verse six, we see Moses' hand going from having leprosy to being completely healed. Can you imagine this conversation, right? Uh, Moses, when they don't believe your staff turning into a snake sign, I'll briefly give parts of your body diseases. Yeah, thanks God, right? Still, so God uses creation to witness to creation. Nothing is off limits, not even your hands. By verse nine, we see that God will use water and even dry land. God uses all forms of creation to speak, to, 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 to witness, to reveal himself before creation. However, I mean, let's, let's just look there. Moses is pretty rattled by all of this, right? And who wouldn't be? He starts backtracking immediately, right? I don't think at this point it's because he feels like God can't do his part. No, for Moses, this is where an even greater revelation comes into his mind. One that is simple. God is holy and God is scary. Simple truth. God is holy and God is scary. His power is limitless. He sees all and can perform all. So Moses is starting to feel a little unworthy. You been there? Where God asks you to do something, you're like, yeah, I don't think I can do it, right? You start to feel inadequate, right? Like every day, I think everybody struggles in this, right? Still, still, the promises of God ring here. And they carry on into the New Testament as well. From verse 10 and 12 here, who has made the mouth, who makes a mute or deaf or seeing or blind, I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak to Jesus, telling his disciples in Matthew 10, 19 and 20, don't be anxious in how you're to speak or what you're to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. 
man, I'm going to be honest, church. I love it when we can physically see the truth in Jesus' statement, especially when we know Jesus was only saying what he heard the Father say. Interesting there to see that correlation between the old and the new, right? So God makes all of creation. God made the staff. He made the hands. God made the Nile and the dirt below. Surely a small thing like the tongue of men can be controlled by the Creator. However, I do think we all kind of end up here in the same place, which is doubting. (laughs) Jeremiah doubted because he was young. Elijah doubted, right, like Moses, because the task seemed too big. Isaiah doubted because of his unclean lips, right? We all doubt that we can be used by God, but church, you're in good company with many of the folks that are used in the Bible. There does come a point where I think we grieve at some point. I think we grieve God a bit in our lack of faith. We see it here in Moses where he keeps pushing back at God for his inadequacies to the point of God recruiting Aaron, the brother of Moses, into this mission. And this isn't all uh, all that unusual, and, and we can see that over time. God tends to send a helper along to help those to whom he's called. God sent Elijah, a servant, and eventually Elisha. God sent John the Baptist, two disciples, and sent Jesus, 12. So not only does God equip you for what he's called you to do, but he also sends others who will share the load of the mission with you. You know what we call that today? We we call it the church. Let me start to wrap this up this morning. I, I want us to see something interesting that's being set up intentionally by God. Um, it's the beginning of what will eventually be called the law of Moses. And it's really a hierarchy of the church. Exodus 4, 15 through 17. You shall speak to him and put his words, uh, put words, Put the words in his mouth and I will be your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. And he shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand the staff which you shall do the sign. So walk walk through me. Walk, 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 walk this through with me here. God is going to speak to Moses. Moses will convey God's decrees and commands to Aaron as well as make intercession on behalf of the people. Aaron will act as the priest, carrying out the will of Moses before the people. The Lord, listen, the Lord literally and actually says that Moses shall be, and I quote, as God to him. So God is setting up something so unique here. It's not mimicked or copied ever again. This is so unique. It also adds to the mystery of these, this like entire book. Never again will we see God place a man in such a position again until, until the New Testament where he places Jesus in both the intercessory position of Moses and the priest position of Aaron. Now, right, we can go straight to our pastor, our priest and shepherd, our intercessor, right, and directly talk to God, right? I, I, I want to believe I want to believe that we are shown this so we can appreciate it. In the book of Hebrews, the author goes into great detail from chapter 5 through 7 to explain this this, this great positional shift. Um, Think about that. Three chapters on just explaining how amazing it is that Jesus now sits on these seats. It's it's important and it merits, honestly, it merits its own sermon. And, And maybe we'll cover that, but not this morning, right? This morning, it's just homework to go and check out 
all of this for yourselves, right? So quick, you know, a few takeaways. I'm hoping you take away from it uh, this morning. First one is if God calls you, he will equip you. Have the faith to believe that, that when God has given you a ministry, whether it's the ministry of your neighbors, the ministry of your business and co-workers, listen, he has given you what you already have that will witness to them. Uh, you lack nothing to the field that God has given you. Uh, except maybe the imagination or the understanding by which to use it, right? Number two, God uses us to reach us. It's always been the case. He sent Moses, a person, to recruit people, right? What did Jesus end up telling us to do? He said that we are to make disciples. God uses people to bring in new people, right? God uses, uh, third one, God uses what you already have for what he's uh, calling you to. Uh, amen. I kind of think I covered that already, but uh, number four, doubt is normal. Come on, man. Every person in the Bible doubts. Uh, that's normal. Don't beat yourself. Get back up. Get back up and believe and have faith. Uh, number five, I think this is an important one in everything in life. Quitting isn't an option. Uh, the biggest difference between most people and uh, really being saved saved is the fact that every time they fall down, they get back up and they keep trying. Um, a Christian is someone who gets back up and keeps trying. Uh, they repent for the things they do wrong, and then they move forward trying again to be holy and sanctified. Uh, the sixth one, God will send you helpers. Your job is to love them, and teach them, and serve them. That's what good leaders do. Last one, and, and, and I think it's a good one. We have what Moses never had. We have a Bible. We have all of God's word. And more important than that, we have Jesus, who is the word. And the church today is blessed beyond imagination because of these things. And I, I hope you have found out the same way I do that uh, this book has a lot to offer us as believers. Uh, a lot more than maybe sometimes we think. Amen. Amen. Let's pray and close out this morning. Father, we... We thank you for your word, God. We, we pray that it would continue to just lay hold of us, God, and, and then capture our heart, God. May our heart just be ravaged in love and in truth and in spirit, God. Lord, let us see the things we have never seen before. Let us appreciate that which you've already given us, God, so that we may be even better stewards than we are right now, Father. Lord, we love you. and We, we, we praise your name. Amen. Amen. Guys, I love you. I hope you have a great, great day.